Good morning, church family, and happy new year to you. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, we're looking at verses 1 and 2 this morning. And if you're going to use one of the Bibles that we provide under the seats, you will find this on page 1008. Page 1008. And in keeping with the New Year's theme, I've entitled today's message, Resolved to Finish the Race. I'll begin by offering a word of prayer, and then we will consider this text together. Let's pray. Our Lord, we do thank you for the start of a new year. And as we look back on the year that we've just come through, there were many ups and downs. There were times of great joy, and also times of heartache, and yet, by your grace, we were able to see our way through it all. We thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for the promise that each new year brings, an opportunity to renew our resolve, to follow you. Um, Lord, we don't know what this new year will bring, but we know that you will be there with us. And as we consider this passage from your word today, and, and we try to, um, to prepare our minds and our wills for the new year, Lord, might you use this text might you use it to strengthen our resolve? We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So friends, many times in Scripture, the Christian life is compared to a race. Uh, we find this, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and in Galatians chapter 5. We also find it in Philippians chapter 2 and in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And we find it here in Hebrews Chapter 12. And this is because the Christian life does bear many similarities to a race. Like a race, the Christian life has a definitive starting point, and that is the moment when we express personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Like a race, it also requires discipline and stamina. In fact, the word translated race in today's text is the Greek word agon. It's where we get our English word agony from. And that's basically the idea that the Christian life is an exhausting race. It is a struggle, something that requires our perseverance. And then finally, like a race, the Christian life also has a finish line. For us, that finish line is the moment when our Lord Jesus calls us home. And so I say again that the Christian life bears many similarities to a race. As we embark upon this new year together, I don't know what new twists and turns our race will take, but I do know what our Lord would have us to do. He would have us to stay in this race. He would have us to keep the faith, and one day, He would have us to cross our finish line and obtain our prize. And to help us with this, our Lord has given us Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, a passage which shows us how to run our race so as to win. I'd like to read the verse this morning, the two verses here, and then we'll consider them carefully together. So the author of Hebrews begins, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, 
looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now I see four words of counsel in these two verses, and the first one is this. Friends, if we would win our race, then we must run it with confidence. If we would win our race, we must run it with confidence. Look again to the start of verse 1. The author says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. Now here the author is hearkening us back to the previous chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, where we find this great listing of heroes of the faith, men and women who successfully crossed their finish lines and completed their races. The chapter includes such notable figures as Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Rahab and Gideon and Barak. These are men and women who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, and escaped the edge of the sword. But it also includes men and women who suffered great hardships during the course of their race. It includes people who suffered mocking and flogging, chains and imprisonment. Some who were stoned, others who were sawn in two, but they were all people of faith, and they all completed their race. And what's more, friends, the list in Hebrews 11 is only representative, meaning that we could add many more names to the list. We might include the 12 apostles to the list. These are the men handpicked by Christ to lay the foundations for the New Testament church. We might also include lesser known New Testament figures like Apollos and Epaphras and like Phoebe and Priscilla and Aquila. We could also include men and women from the annals of church history like Augustine and Luther and Calvin and Edwards and Spurgeon and Lady Jane Grey and Corey Ten Boom and many others. We could even include the members of our own church family who have successfully completed their race. Men and women like Jim and Deb Childs, Tiny Russell, Mary Jean Baker, and David Palmer. The author refers to them all as part of, quote, a great cloud of witnesses. The word translated cloud here doesn't speak of just those little formations you see in a summer sky. No, it's the the kind of cloud that you see in a Michigan winter. From horizon to horizon, as far as the eye can see, this cloud is spread. Each one of these members of this great cloud, they set out in faith, they ran their race, they completed their course Now they're in heaven enjoying their reward. And this great cloud stands over us and around us on every side. And friends, God would have us to look to this cloud of witnesses for inspiration as we run our race. They are witnesses to the power and grace of God in their lives. And everyone in that cloud knows what it's like to live in perilous times. Every single one of them had their own burdens to bear, and yet, by the grace of God, they completed their course. And friends, by God's grace, we can too. We can run the race set before us. We can reach our finish line. And indeed, we will 
if we run in confidence that such a thing is possible. So friends, I say that we can win this race if we run it with confidence. But then we see a second word of counsel here, also found in verse 1. It says, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And so not only must we run in confidence, but also with determination, stripping away everything that would hinder our Christian race. Now, friends, in ancient Rome, athletes would literally strip off every article of clothing before running their race. And they did that so that nothing could slow them down. Well, in the same way, the author of Hebrews tells us that we Christians must strip off everything in our lives that would hinder the race of faith. And he mentions there are two types of things that we must strip off. First, he says we must lay aside every weight. That could also be translated encumbrance. Lay aside every encumbrance in your Christian life. It refers to anything at all that might harm our spiritual zeal. In the context of Hebrews 12 here, I think the author is probably thinking about those old covenant rules and rituals. See, he's writing to a group of Jewish converts here. They had probably imported some of those old rituals into their new Christian lives. Things like dietary restrictions, um, regulations about the kinds of fabric they could use to sew their clothing, things along these lines. And the author of Hebrews is saying, we are in the new covenant. Now, not in the old covenant. These things are not productive for your Christian lives. So go ahead and strip off those old encumbrances. These are things which are not inherently sinful. In fact, at the time they were instituted, they were positive goods, but they were no longer needed for the Christian race. Now, friends, in our own day, I don't think we're tempted to import uh, Jewish ritual into our Christian lives, but maybe there are other things in our lives that are not inherently sinful, but maybe having them in our lives is, is hindering our zeal. Perhaps they are ability to run our race. Perhaps things like excessive television and movie watching or too much time spent on social media platforms. Maybe it's too much dedication to sports or to club activities. Maybe it's our own career ambitions or maybe it's the quest for more and more material possessions. Just things in life that if not carefully regulated, they have a tendency to dull our spiritual senses and to lead us away from church and family life and ultimately to make us unproductive Christians. Friends, we must remember that we are in a race for our lives here. There is a finish line that we want to reach. There is a prize that we want to obtain, but we will not receive it unless we finish the course. So, friends, let us strip from our lives everything, even things that may be good in themselves, but we are turning them into idols in our lives. Let us strip them away, lest they hinder our ability to run well. But then secondly, you see, we must also strip away the sin which clings so closely. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Colossians chapter 3, Put to death what is earthly in you. 
And then he offers us a list of vices to put away. It includes sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which he calls idolatry. His list also includes anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk from our mouths, sins which must be shed from our lives. The Puritan minister John Owen put it this way. He said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Friend, you won't drop out of the race all at once. It will happen slowly over a period of time, maybe even over a period of years. But in the end, those sins, if not controlled, will ruin your desire for God. It will overwhelm it with a desire to satisfy your own sinful lust. And it will overtake your life and you will not reach your finish line. You will not obtain your prize. You will be like so many other also rans. So, friend, you must, you must strip away all the encumbrances in your life. You must strip away every last vestige of sin. Friend, how do we do that? How do we strip the sin from our lives? Well, friends, just remember three R's. Number one, recognize. Recognize when a sin is beginning to take hold of your life. Recognize when it is beginning to consume your time, your thoughts, your desires. Recognize when it is pulling you away from the spiritual disciplines, from family or from church. Recognize when a sin is taking hold. And then number two, repent. Repent of that sin immediately. That means begin to see your pattern of sin the way God sees it and despise the sin that you see in yourself. Commit to forsaking it, to turning back toward God in wholehearted faith. And then number three, renew. Renew your commitment to the race, which may include resuming the spiritual disciplines. Chances are, as, as a sin pattern has developed in your life, you have begun to neglect prayer and scripture reading, regular participation in your local church. So return to those old habits. Renew vital part of your church again, and perhaps even seek an accountability partner, an individual who will know you inside and out and who will help you when you are struggling with a sin. Now, 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 say, say this, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins... God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friends, the truth is that every single one of us in here has a struggle with sin. It might be a different sin for each one of us, but we all struggle with a sin. And we must learn to recognize the sin in us, to repent of it, and to renew our commitment to godliness. This is the only way to finish our race. And so, friends, we see these words of counsel in today's text. First, if we would win our race, then we must run with confidence. Secondly, we must run with determination. And now, thirdly, we see we must also run with endurance. This is also verse 1. It says, Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The word endurance here implies that the race will not be easy. 
It's going to be long and hard. There will be times when you grow weary of the race. There will be times when quitting might seem appealing to you. When those times come, though, you must tell yourself that you will keep pressing forward. You're going to keep putting one foot in front of the other. You are not going to give up. You are not going to drift off course. You are going to keep moving ahead. Remember that adversity is part of the race. God, through Christ, has baked it in to the experience. Jesus himself said, quote, In this world you will have trouble. It's a promise that it will be hard. But then he follows up with this promise. He says, But take heart, because I have overcome the world. So friends, we must run this race in confidence. We must run it with determination. We must run it with endurance. But then our final word of counsel, if we would win this race, we must also run it with our eyes on the finish line. With our eyes on the finish line. Which in our case means keeping our eyes fixed on a person. Look at verse 2. It says, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated now at the right hand of the throne of God. Friends, do you remember that time in the Gospels where the the disciples of Jesus are in a boat on the Sea of Galilee? And suddenly they see Jesus approaching the boat, and he is walking on water. And the Apostle Peter is so excited that he jumps out of the boat, starts running across the water right to Jesus, and he's walking on the surface too, just like Jesus. But then suddenly he comes to his senses, realizes what he has just done, and he looks around and he sees the waves and he feels the wind and terror grips his heart. And suddenly, with his eyes now off of Jesus onto the waves, he begins to sink and he starts to drown and he cries out to Jesus to save him. And then Jesus comes and picks him up, lifts him out of the water again, places him back into the boat. You know, friends, the Christian uh, life as a whole works in this manner. If we have our eyes ever fixed on Christ and Christ alone, his person, his work, his power, and his grace, if our eyes are fixed upon Christ, we will run it to completion. But if we take our eyes off of Christ, if we put it anywhere else, whether you put it on the wars and rumors of wars or fears about economic hardships, if you put it on on anything else in life, the weight of it will overwhelm you And you will begin to fail in your Christian life. Friends, you must keep your eyes on Christ. Our text calls him the author and the finisher, or the founder and the perfecter of our faith. See, Christ is the one who ran the race with absolute perfection. From conception to death, he ran it just the way it's supposed to be run. He was tempted in every way, yet without sin fully submissive to the will of his Father, right to the very end, even in the face of the cross. He did not sin, and he did not fail to fulfill his calling. In doing so, my friends, Christ has left an example for us. 
That just as our Lord Jesus ran his race, so too must, must we run ours. We look to him as our example, but more than that, we also look to him as the object of our faith. He's the object of our faith. This is the one who, through his life, death, and resurrection, secured the salvation that we enjoy. So in other words, my friends, Christ is to be everything to the Christian. He is our example, our inspiration, our enablement, and even the prize at the end of this race. Christ is everything. And so we look to him and to nothing else. And if we do so, we will finish our race. Now, friends, as I prepare to close, today is the first day of the year 2023. And as I said at the beginning of this message, so I say again, I do not know what this new year will bring. I don't know what twists and turns are ahead in this race we call the Christian life, but I do know what our Lord would have us to do. He would have us to stay in this race. He would have us to keep the faith. And one day, He would have us to cross that finish line and obtain our prize. And here in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, He has shown us how to do it. He has said we do it by running the Christian race with confidence looking at that great cloud of witnesses, men and women and even children who ran the Christian race before us, who, who completed it by the grace and power of God. We look to them, we see that they did it through God's strength, and therefore we know that we can do it too. Because the same God is at work in our lives as was at work in theirs. The same grace is operative in us as in them. So we can run with confidence. Next, he has told us we must run with determination, which involves stripping away from our lives every encumbrance and every sin. That is, everything that is not necessarily evil, but which, if not carefully guarded against, may lead our hearts away from Christ, as well as those things that are, that are inherently evil of themselves and must be put off. We must run with confidence. We must run with determination. We must also run with endurance, knowing that adversity is part of the race. And then finally, running with our eyes ever on that finish line, keeping them fixed on Christ himself. My friends, let us run the race well this year. Let us run it well, and let us do so for the truth and for the world and for the glory of God in Christ. Let's pray together as we close. Our Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the work that you have done in our church family over the past year, and we pray that you would renew it in the year 2023. And I pray that every single person who calls Grace Baptist Church home would run their race well in this new year that not one person who calls this church home would disqualify themselves from the race, that not one would drift off track, that not one would be lost. Help us, Lord. We know it will require your grace and your strength. Lord, give us confidence. 
Give us determination. Give us endurance. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on the finish line. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.